Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reese, a show about living your very best life. Um, so I've been away a couple of weeks. I'm back and I wanted to do a cutting edge topic. And I recently uh, was talking about this on another show and I thought it's such an important topic, which is your emotional health. Uh, I mean, in a way, when you think about it, if you don't have your emotional health, it's a lot like your physical health. You're kind of in trouble. Uh, before I get into it and introduce my fabulous guest, uh, just as always, invite if you want to call in and join the conversation at one 472 We certainly welcome phone calls, one 472 Having done this show for a couple of years now, I know that a lot of people prefer text. That's fine. one 7964 7964 Text your questions and if you prefer email, it's info at helpforanxietydepression.com. So to discuss emotional health, when I plan these shows, I try to think about who should I have as a guest on the show. And it was very obvious who I should have on this particular show because there's a wonderful um, um, counselor at the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression who is really a specialist in emotional health. We talk about it all the time uh, with her and she does a lot of great work with her clients. So I wanted to bring her on. So uh, she's she's just really a dynamo and certainly no stranger to straight talk. So welcome back, Melissa. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Great topic. I love talking about emotions. Yeah. And it's, you know, as I said, I was on another radio show recently talking about this topic and we ran out of times because there's so many things to say. So here's my thoughts on where I want to go. So first of all, I want to introduce the idea of the difference between the, the statement, you're totally entitled to your emotions, which is true. Mm-hmm. And the other statement, however, you are not entitled to do whatever you want with them, which is also true. Yes. That's a goal of mine. And then I'm hoping that we can have a good chat about what this thing called emotional intelligence is because, um, you know, emotional health usually requires elements of emotional intelligence. And by the way, people with good emotional intelligence do much better in life than people without, right? A hundred percent. A lot of research supports that. Okay, so first of all, let's start with the basics. So emotional health, first thing you have to know is that um, your emotions are your guidance system. You need them. They tell you where to go. So you have to first recognize what you're feeling. Now, before I go any further, let me just say that there are many people, including myself, who were raised with not a lot of attention on emotions. So I was not told to pay a lot of attention to my emotions. I was told to pay a lot of attention to my thoughts, mm-hmm. cognitions, we call it. Yeah. So therefore, only later in life did I learn, oh, I need mm-hmm. to know what I'm feeling. But I didn't always know what I was feeling, Melissa. I knew what I was thinking. Yeah. Does this make sense to you? This totally makes sense. And this is what I try to help my clients try to understand is trying to really separate that thoughts are just thoughts and emotions are just emotions and really trying to separate the two because we can have a thought, you know, like I, I shouldn't have done that, but what's the emotion behind that? And right. once because the, the thought is more of a critical thought, but once we get to the emotion, like you said, we can use that to our advantage. To, to either put a boundary or to, to maybe do something differently the next time. But the thought is not going to help us to do something 
differently next time. It's the emotion that helps us to get us to know, like you said, what direction to take. So true. And and furthermore, we know that thoughts can be quite distorted. Yeah. And emotions, this is rule number one for people listening. Emotions are always, and I repeat, always valid. Mm-hmm. I, really, that's a big sentence because I go talk a lot of places and people, there's a little bit of a gasp when I say that in audiences because people are like, really, every emotion is valid? Every emotion is valid. Yeah. It's what you do next that's questionable. So if I'm angry at you, I can say it's valid. Even if I'm angry at you for looking at me sideways or not bringing me flowers today when you showed up, Mm -hmm. it may seem a little irrational, but emotions by definition are not based on rationality. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's valid. I have a right to be angry. Mm -hmm. I do not have a right to slap you across the face. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing that a lot of people tie with, especially with anger, I'm going to use and continuing on your example, is that a lot of people feel that anger is the typical, we see the, the yelling, the screaming, the lashing out, right? Yeah. But that's the behavior of anger. So I think what you're saying too is to really separate that, you're, that the emotion is the, is the feeling part and then the, what we do with that is the behavior. So right. you're entitled to your emotions to, that you're disappointed and feeling angry that I didn't bring flowers, but also yelling at me is not going to get anywhere. Right. Right. So step one, though, in this process for people listening for emotional health, you need to first know what you're feeling. So like I said, for many years, I did not know what I was feeling. I knew what I was thinking. So I had to do an exercise, which I teach all my clients to do. And I had to, the reason I teach them this is I had to do it and I had to train my brain differently is I'd ask myself throughout the day. And I really recommend this as a Mm -hmm. good strategy. Mm -hmm. What do I feel right now? And what do I need? Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you for years when I would ask myself, what do I feel? It was like blank. I had no idea. Okay. I would start thinking again. So I had to create a neuronal pathway in my brain to understand I'm feeling, even if it was hunger or tiredness, I'm even not good at that because these things were not reinforced in my childhood. Now I'm not alone in this. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people of my generation, we used to think in psychology that emotions were sort of like not so useful. So our parents didn't necessarily hone in on our emotions. So step one, would you agree, is to address what are you feeling right now? And then step two would be to validate that, to go, it's okay that I feel this way. Is that correct? Absolutely. So the first part too, and when you label that emotion, what you're doing is labeling it, but also there's research that suggests that just by labeling that emotion already helps you regulate it. It puts you in the step, okay, this is what I'm feeling and what do I do next? The thing about emotions is that sometimes it's not just one feeling. So there could be a multiple rise in emotion. That's why they're complex, they're messy. You feel more than one emotion at the same time. So you could have multiple answers in that, but to label it and also to say that it's give yourself that permission because in their past we might not have had that permission to to have an emotion and so you're just by validating saying it's okay and this is where people get into a little trouble right now because then they learn this i've seen this happen to clients and they learn oh my emotions are always valid so they have their first fight with their husband and they get angry and they start screaming their head off and their husband says don't scream at me and they say but i'm angry And I have a right because Sandra said emotions are valid. And I say, okay, no. Okay, because you have a right to your emotions. But then that second point, which is called emotional regulation, kicks in. What is emotional regulation, Melissa? So it's the ability to reduce the, to be able to understand it and to be able to reduce the emotion so that we're not letting it overwhelm us. We're now, we're not thinking rationally anymore. We're now our emotions are running the show. They're in control. And we said emotions are not rational by definition. So that could be quite dangerous. Very. Because in anger, you could do a lot of crazy things, right? Yeah. 
Okay. So people have to learn something called emotional regulation. So how do they learn that? Well, that's where, you know, that's where if, uh, if you, because again, we're not taught this, right? In schools, I feel like we should more and more teach about how to, you know, reduce stress and regulate our emotions. But, you know, using breathing exercises, trying, again, just like I said, by labeling your emotions already helps reduce it because you're understanding yourself better um, by trying to journal it. What are some, what are ways that you try to regulate your emotions? Well, one thing that really helps me and I think that really helps a lot of clients is that they actually have studied that emotions live in your body only for 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important piece because that means that after 90 seconds, if you're still angry, it's because you're repeating the story to yourself over and over again. Now your thoughts get in the way. Right. So that means you're, you're choosing and clients don't always like this, but it helps them to understand you're choosing to stay angry. So if you do something that upsets me and I go, Oh, I'm angry at Melissa. And then I go, okay, it's understandable. I'm angry. And I work through that. And maybe even I talk to you and maybe I don't, but if I'm angry two days later, that has nothing to do with Melissa anymore. That has to do with the story I'm telling myself. I'm repeating it over and over again to stay angry. So I'll shoot back a question to you. Are there payoffs to people staying angry? Why do people do this? hundred percent. Bad payoffs. Bad payoffs. But go ahead. But maybe there's a, maybe there's like a story that maybe just, I didn't bring flowers, but now you get into no, nobody brings me flowers. And so the payoff could be that then we stay in victimhood and if we stay in victimhood, maybe it could avoid responsibilities. And that's like one of the biggest themes of Straight Talk with Sandra Rich is yeah. every show comes back to that yeah. taking responsibility. Yeah. And if there's one thing I feel in all these years, not with the radio, but doing psychotherapy and teaching no. people is taking responsibility. Is that not the number one lesson of life that we got to take responsibility? Well, it just helps us make us feel more in control. But it gives us control, yeah. actually, because we are more in control. Yeah. I don't have to stay angry at you. No. I don't have to suffer. No, no. As a matter of fact, you can't make me keep suffering. Only I can make myself keep suffering. Yeah. And that's one lesson I learned, too. And that was so empowering to know what role that I was taking and, and how we, having to regulate that. And, and to Why is it so hard for people, then? You're a young girl. You got it. How? Why is it so hard for people? Because I teach it to people, and some people really get it, and like they nail it out of the ballpark. And some people... They just don't want to take the responsibility. Why is it so hard to meet anything that will take you out of misery mm-hmm. is a winner. I want that. I don't want to be in misery. So mm-hmm. I'll be happy to take responsibility if it gets me out of misery. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion? You see clients much more than I do these days. Why do some people get stuck in this place and some people do not? But like you said, the payoffs are more rewarding than the cost or they're not seeing the cost right away, like how much it's making them feel not, uh, not proactive, like in their own life kind of taking the driver mm. in, their, in their own driver's seat. But um, yeah, like there's, there's a, there's, uh, and, and maybe not knowing how to get out of that victim, like the whole story, this is the whole script that they've taught themselves from, from childhood and not knowing what extra step do we take to get out of that is hard. Yeah. It's a real skill. That's why they yeah. call it emotional intelligence. It yeah. really is an intelligence. Yeah. It is something and it makes, you know, like you were talking about the research, we're going to take a break, but we were talking about the research, you know, one piece of the research that I was seeing is that people with good emotional intelligence on average make $30,000 more a year. Like that's just one piece of the pie. They have better relationships. They do better in life and they make more money. Yeah. So it's and- a skill. And their physical health is better. Oh, that's interesting. Do yeah. you know why? Well, there's a lot of research that shows that your um, that your mental health can actually affect your physical. Like you'll start to see physical mm. sensations, physical illnesses that manifest itself because we're not taking care of our emotions. Oh, that's so true. So stress, your body's gonna feel it. So there's tons of research that mm. shows like diabetes, cancer, um, you know, like uh, um, having. Um, 
like certain certain uh, you know mental Ill- like in terms of Parkinson's or Alzheimer's yep. and yeah, so well, it's a lot, a lot of, of stress on the brain. A lot so, of so we're going to take a break, but we'll come back and talk about how that stress affects the brain and how that happens. And we'll continue on with how you can have the best emotional health of your life. Because you know what? It is something just like taking vitamin C. You can be working on it every day and you really radically can change your life. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Rich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So I love doing this show and I love when Melissa comes by because she always like brings up such interesting aspects. So right before the break, we we're talking about how your mental health plays a role on your physical health. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, because I personally believe a lot in personal examples, that there is no doubt in my life that there have been times that I got very upset about things and I have literally two days or the day later fallen sick. Now we know that stress hormones, cortisol shuts down the immune system. So it's not really a stretch here. It's yeah. like science 101. Yeah. So your emotional health is going to have a huge bearing on your physical health. And by the way, the research on the diseases you mentioned is there's a lot of research going on now about epigenetics, the things that are above genetics, that because your genetics are not going to determine they're not the whole story. They're no. part of the story and how you manifest and deal with your stress and your emotions is another very big piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah. And a lot of people that have come to see me before end up in the emergency room or the hospitals. And so people, because of physical symptoms. And so 
it's always important to go, you know, if you're suffering with a physical symptom, it's always really important to go get checked and get all the tests done to make sure For that sure. it is a not it is a it is not a physical element. But you know, they're they're seeing that all the test results come back negative and um and then realize that, you know, it's stress. So that's where they they find themselves into my office and to convince them that it is emo- emotional and uh, that that there are some stressors that m- maybe are coming up in their life, it's hard to see. Well, how can such stress cause my body to have like rosacea or my body to have like you know, huge chest have, like, pains or uh, like an uh, yeah, eczema, eczema. And, and, and hives and yeah. lots of things? Like I've never had those things, but I've certainly fallen sick when I've gone stressed out. Have you? Yeah. 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 Very. St- I always find that, like, especially when I was studying after exams, I would always get sick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like during the busiest, I'm I'm okay, but then it's like when I'm done, I crash because that's when it's all flooding me, and uh, when it's the downtimes, and then I get sick. So it is a bi-directional re- relationship, meaning that our emotional health affects our physical health and our physical health affects our emotional health right yeah. so if we are yeah. diagnosed or we do have physical elements that does create more anxiety and, and can create more depression makes sense i'll just remind people if they want to join the conversation it's one 472 5792 or you can text us at one 5764 how do you think you do with emotional health you know if you're thinking about that if you have any questions please be in touch with us i think that's um, this idea of paying attention to your emotions is something that requires a certain amount of wherewithal. Like for myself, I, I, one of my tips, and you asked about those before. So the 90 second rule tells me I can't stay with an emotion longer than that, but that doesn't get me out of it yet. I do a lot of journaling, Mm -hmm. especially when I'm charged about something. Mm -hmm. Because you see, when you're charged about something, and this is what I teach people. And I, I really do believe it. When you're charged about something, there's something going on about you. So usually that will happen like in, you know, my husband Mm -hmm. or someone in the family and I'm getting very triggered. So I take out my journal and I'll talk about what I'm feeling and what's going on. And I try to be very curious. Like, you know, I often tell this story and many people listening have heard it before. But for example, the man I fell in love with is really good at relaxing. Mm -hmm. And I was raised in a very, you know, type A kind of way. And I remember when we first got married and, you know, we take a day off from from work and I'd take a day off from work. I was still running around. I'd see him lying on the couch and I'd be irate. And I had to learn through my journaling that I'm secretly quite jealous of him because he gives himself permission. But that connection only happens if you take the time to figure out why is it bothering you something someone's doing. And most of us, we don't see that at first because you see the person lounging on the couch. You're not thinking you're jealous of them. You're thinking they're a lazy, you know what? So you have to take that journal and that little calm down time to draw some connections. And I, and I liked how it takes you out of the like blaming him part and makes you look inward to see, okay, well, why, why am I having this reaction? And I find like, why so triggered? Why so triggered? Yeah. Yeah. So through the years I became very good at relaxing and now I don't get upset when he's relaxing. I actually know that when I'm starting to not take care of myself is when I know that by the fact that if he's doing something and I'm getting like irritated by Mm -hmm. it, it usually means Mm -hmm. That I'm not taking care of myself. But it doesn't have to be only your husband. If people around Anybody. you are taking vacations and you're like, oh, I can't believe they're taking vacations. Yeah, I work so hard. Exactly. Everyone else. Melissa, I know you came with tips because you always do. What are some <laughs> tips to help people with to learn how to have better emotional health? Well, I think that, and I love how you define the 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 
the definition of what an emotional intelligence is and that labeling it, understanding it, but also um, being able to express it. Because a lot of times we doubt ourselves, you know, that, oh, I'm not allowed or, you know, I shouldn't say it's not justified for me to say it, but giving ourselves permission to give that a voice uh, in a healthy way. But Mm -hmm. there's, I have some tips in terms of how do we know when we're not checking in? And, And these are some signs. So, a lot of times we feel like emotional intelligence would be like a lot of myths that I find my clients make is that, well, I'll know I'll have emotional intelligence when I'm happy all the time, when I'm happy, when I have joy, when I have mm. positivity, right? And so is this what emotional intelligence is, is when you only feel happiness and, and joy and all these positive fluffy feelings? I don't think so. I, I don't personally think so, because I think that that would suggest that you're not feeling a whole bunch of other emotions. Yeah. And I think that by definition, humans do also suffer and have negative emotions. Yes. So emotional intelligence would mean you have a variety of emotions, both negative and positive. Yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. So thinking that, um, you know, good emotional health is not always happy. It's not always the case. And like you said, it's normal and it's healthy to have a wide range of emotions because that's what makes us human, right? Your anger sends a message that somebody crossed your boundary. Yes, yes, yes. And so you need that emotion to place a boundary or else we're always going to feel like people are taking advantage of us. So true. So So true. It's very healthy. Um, And then the more also too research shows that the more sad we are, the more happy we can be. You know, like they're very related. So if I process my sadness and I really grieve it and and understand why I'm sad, then the the price at the end will be a huge weight, like this huge relief. That's a very important point. And I can feel happier than if I was just kind of covering up my sadness and kind of having this like fake happiness. That's a really important point. You know, a colleague of mine used to talk about hot and cold taps that Mm. if you shut off the negative emotions, you shut off also the positive ones. Meaning if you shut off the hot water, you shut off the cold water or vice versa. Um, You know, a lot of avoidance, um, and when I say avoidance, that's a type of attachment style. People who don't like to feel their emotions a lot, they shut off all their negative emotions. They seem quite zen, these people. They seem like nothing really frazzles them. But the problem is they tend to live in black and white. They're not really feeling much of all. Uh, People who feel all their emotions, it's harder, but they live in color. So if, like you said, and that was so smart, that if you feel your anger and your sadness, which is quite horrible. It's not fun. (laughs) But you get to feel the good ones too. You can't. There's no a la carte with the emotions. No, we can't pick and choose. But some people have that skill. They learn early in childhood to shut down all negative emotions. They are often prone to depression and anxiety, are yes. they not? Yes. Why? Then, well, then it gets suppressed. And if we're not expressing our anger, it's going to find a way to come out. And so it's going to come out. So anxiety is just like that little alarm bell to say, yeah. hey, <laughs> something else is going on. Right. So it could, be, it could be talking to you, your anxiety and saying, hello, what's really, what are you really feeling? Yeah. And yeah. that's what I get my chimes, my chimes, my clients to do is really trying to get underneath the anxiety. Yeah, I often say, bring me an angry person and I'll find you an anxious person or bring me an anxious yeah. person and I'll find you an angry person because yeah. they're often working on the same systems in the body. Yeah. Uh, another one too is that and I looked in my personal life and I realized when I'm not checking in with my emotions so this is another signal when you're not checking in is when you're like a busy bee when you're too busy yeah right so why is that a sign that maybe we're not slowing down and checking in well being a busy bee might be an avoidance strategy as you just said but I'm so busy 
Right, but you choose to be so busy. You choose to be so busy. So there's always that question, and you know, I'm saying this as someone who is a busy bee. But there's always the question of what are you running away from? Yeah. So I, you know, I'm constantly looking at my schedule and trying to see where I can open things up and say no to things um, because you don't want to be running away from your feelings because you, you know, the old saying, and it's true: you can run, but you can't hide. Yeah. It's going to come get you, and being busy will not take you away, and it's not a good strategy. So being a busy bee is just an avoidance strategy. I don't recommend it at all. No. You no. can still do a lot of things in life. I still like to do a lot of things, but well, you need to take some time for yourself also. That's part of emotional health too, yeah. is like you said, check in with self. Mm-hmm. And recognizing when you need to slow down and when, you know, like there's some things that we have to do, but learning, and that's another one is learning how to say no, not being oh, nice all the time. That's a big one. That's a big right? one. So if I'm noticing that I'm nice all the time, then I'm not, that's another sign that I'm not checking in with myself because maybe really inside I want to say no, but as I'm saying yes, um, it feels, you know, I'm trying to be nice, but I'm not, I'm neglecting myself. So as soon as I say no to uh, yes to somebody else I'm saying no to me right I was just gonna say that where there's a yes there's a no so you're saying no to you and that's a tough one and that's a tough one as a therapist and mm-hmm. I'm sure you you have that challenge too because people call you up and people want to see you yes. and you know you want to really be there for people yeah. but you also have to check you know did you make an appointment with yourself therapists are quite bad at this by the way yeah and you know at the clinic I often you know talk to our team about this the importance of self-care because if you're teaching other people about self-care, you got to walk the walk, right? Yeah. But I did notice, you know, like, you know, when I do say no, you know, it's hard because I do want to help. But when I do have to take care of myself and put boundaries, you know, at the beginning, it's hard because I want to help and I still want to help. But but once once you get in the pattern of really sticking to your own boundaries, then I find that people start to respect my boundaries more. Of so course. it gets easier. Yeah. It's harder. They actually the don't take you for granted. No, and too. they don't ask because they know that it's it's within those boundaries. So really good point. So it's hard at the beginning and it's hard on myself because I don't I want to help. But um, I can't help if I'm burnt out, too. Right. 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 Oxygen mask on you first. Yes. That right. was the other show you did. And yeah. Great. Yeah. Another tip. Yes. And we'll take a break after um, that. Basically, the other tip is uh, another one, just like we talked about feeling uh, happy all the time. But sometimes I hear clients say, well, stress is just a normal part of my life. Like I just I'm a stressful person. I have a stressful life. It's just normal. What's the problem with this? Well, I, I think we, we we have to tweeze that apart. I think there, if we're saying is stress part of life, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. I think if we had no stress, we'd be dead. Uh, but if they have a very stressful life and they're saying, this is my life, there's nothing I can do about it, I think that that's not taking a lot of um, ownership because mm-hmm. that can't be true. Mm-hmm. How could that be true? I I don't know. I mean, there's a certain amount of stress of things that are beyond our control, but there's certain things that are in our control, right? Yeah. And the thing is, if we're constantly stressed, then it's because we're not regulating the stress. So there could be a lot of stressors, meaning there's multiple things in our life that are causing us stress. But if we're not taking the time to kind of uh, reset or rebalance or take down the stress, then it's just like a constant flow. And eventually it's just that's where I see a lot of burnout and and uh, or an explosion happen because we're not taking care. So we can't. Yes, there's a lot of stress and yes, stress is a part of life. But if it's ongoing, this can lead to uh, a lot of anxiety, too, if, it, if you're not regulating it throughout the day. Oh, yeah. Such a good point. OK, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back and we'll, you know, again, 
continue the discussion on what do these words mean, emotional health? You know, I, I wonder as you go away during this break to ask yourself, what does emotional health mean in your life? Like, how do you measure it? You know, you go to the doctor, you get a blood test once a year and you measure it because you get a good, good low blood pressure and you get a good blood test. That means you're healthy. How do you measure your emotional health? We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandrish. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. Talking about emotional health today, and I was asking, how do you measure it, you know, and you know, you go to the doctor, you get a blood test, you get your pressure taken, you get, you walk away and you know how you're doing. So one of the ways I've heard emotional health being defined as a way of measuring it is that how whole you feel inside, how balanced and how content you feel is, you know, that's an overall way of knowing how you're doing in terms of your emotional health. Are you feeling balanced? Are you feeling content? I mean, that's a big question. I mean, I could throw it right at you, Melissa, and you could throw it at me. How are you doing these days on emotional health? Like, do you check in and how are you doing? How's the balance in your life lately? Yeah, so that's, it's actually interesting because, uh, and I told a couple clients this this week in terms of, um, you know, how I was, I knew I was avoiding something because my, we call these defense mechanisms. So anytime we have an emotion and we don't want to deal with it, or we don't want to acknowledge it, we, we have defense mechanisms that come into place to help us continue avoiding. So for me, I was, I was shopping all the, like last week, I just went on a shopping spree, like Amazon, like Zara and <laughs> just the shop Lululemon. I just went shopping. Like my friend bought a dress. I'm like, I bought it literally right there with her online. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, I had to, I, I, 
you know, and at first, like even me as a therapist, I'm like, no, I'm just really shopping. Like yeah. I'm just trying to spoil myself. This is part of self-care. Like I thought this was great, you know, you know, and I'm, I deserve it. I, I, I work so hard. I deserve it. So all these rational and justifications of why I was okay, I was allowed to shop. And then I questioned myself. I was like, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Why? Because I knew deep down inside when I wanted to buy something, I'm like, no, Melissa, I shouldn't. And that was like my first signal when I when I felt guilty. As soon as I feel guilty because there's shame around it. And so that was a signal. As soon as there's shame or there's guilt or I was hiding it, I was starting to be secretive about it or not telling my boyfriend how much it really cost. Right. So as soon as that, then usually there's a sign that something else is going on underneath. Right. right? If I'm right. hiding it, if I feel shameful or guilty. So that's when I ask myself, okay, let me check in with myself. What am I avoiding? Right. I love how you ask yourself, like, what am I feeling and what do I need? Yeah. Right. So I asked myself and I found that uh, that there's actually something upsetting me that has been going on, on in my personal life and I'm not addressing it. Uh. And so shopping was a quick way to get rid of that feeling right like it was a great way to keep me distracted and it would be a great way to keep me happy right we think that by doing these um external things is is great to keep us happy in the in the short term right yeah now what you just did there that process that you just went through of asking yourself what am i avoiding yeah and what's going on that's emotional intelligence yeah that's what you did yeah, it's not the fact. It's not the process of not having like being so self-aware all the time. Like me as a therapist, I, I think I'm very self-aware. But there's moments too where I fall into the trap. So it's we all do. We blind all spots. Do. We all have blind spots. So it's not. It's emotional intelligence is not not having this process at all. It's about having those blind spots and asking those questions. Asking those questions and then working through it to say, yeah. wow. And then actually, I stop shop. It just was simple as that. My my impulse to shop stopped. Wow. So far, just by addressing just what by, the issues. I didn't even address. So have you? address the no, no I didn't but you're address, going to I'm going to but just by acknowledging that yeah. my shopping has stopped beautiful great example and a great example of what emotional health looks like I want to bring up another piece of emotional health and we were alluding this to this a little bit before when we were saying that sometimes things get difficult another big part of having good emotional and uh, health or intelligence is a quality called resiliency mm-hmm. okay and resiliency is the ability to Get up when life knocks you down, which unfortunately happens to all of us. And so people with good emotional health handle difficult situations quite differently than other people who don't have as good emotional health. What is the difference? So you see, you know, you see people have hard times mm-hmm. and they get knocked down by it. And you see people have hard times and they get back up. What, what's, what's the process? What's going different for these people? Do you agree that all people have hard times? Yes, of course. And, yes. It, and if you didn't, I'd I'd question. You. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, it's not it's not the ab, it's not having absence of hard not hard times that makes your life great. It's getting through these hard moments because just kind of like what I connected it to before, it's like by going through sadness, we can only truly experience that happiness. So it's it's um it's what makes this, but what does make these people more resilient and some other less so. Okay, well, that was my question to you, but I guess you've thrown it back to me. Okay, well, I think that that's, again, a quality that can be learned. Mm-hmm. And I think resiliency is the, it's really, we teach it to our kids early in life. It's the ability to feel, and this is where we have to be careful as parents of protecting our kids too much. It brings up a whole other topic. Yeah. Because it is, 
you know, my kids have to deal with difficult situations and see that they can survive it. If I take away the difficult situation from them, they don't learn that. So resiliency is a skill that you learn by by hitting the ground and knowing you can come back from this. And it's really a habit, right? So mm-hmm. you hit the wall and you go, okay, I've hit the wall before I can get back from this. Mm-hmm. But you know, I go so far as to say that if there's one thing you could give someone, I don't think happiness would be what you'd give them, especially not kids. Resiliency no. is a much more important thing to have because if my kids, if I could give them the gift of happiness, first of all, it's unrealistic because there's going to be bad days and good days. But if they have resiliency, mm. then if they there's a cloudy day, exactly, that is a very important quality. But you only can learn resiliency if you are not saved from the hard times, which is ironic. You actually have to suffer to develop resiliency. Yeah, suffer. And, and I loved how you put that. And and with the support of knowing that there's someone behind you, you know, helping you and supporting you, but not doing it for you. And I yeah. think that's a very powerful, powerful lesson. But what happens to people that were over sheltered or were didn't didn't have that skill? Well, it's 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 harsh because what happens is when you're overprotected, and I, I know I know many situations like that, the child grows up into an adult feeling that they can't cope with these situations. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense that I cannot cope. Mm-hmm. So what happens? Either they become, you know, quite stuck in a victim role or they go see a professional they learn coping techniques which is a lot of your tips today are coping techniques and that's really the pitch here is emotional health is something you can learn at any point in your life but you need coping strategies you need to know what would you do if what would you do if your relationship ended what would you do if you had a health challenge what would you do if you lost your job would you be able to cope Mm -hmm. and how how mm-hmm. would you cope? Mm-hmm. You know, you hear stories, husbands come home, wives come home and say, I'm leaving you. I don't love you anymore. I mean, nobody wants that to happen to themselves. But what would you do? Do you have a coping strategy in place? Yeah, I like that because I find a lot of people get stuck in what if, you know, what if my spouse leaves? What if I have a panic attack doing a presentation? What if? Yeah. And so we often just stay at the what is, what is, what is. But that's another technique that's a, a more cognitive technique of, okay, and it. Yeah, answer it. Yeah, yeah. like what the if? worst case scenario, it wouldn't be great and wouldn't be pleasant. But how would you get through it? Yeah, and by just going through it helps you to say, okay, you know, maybe I can. Maybe there are strategies that I can do. I, you know, I I, I can get through it. And so yeah. that's what's building up that resiliency. But you have to go through it. To it's like each time you go through it, it's like you're resilient. It's not a yes or no, you're resilient. It's more like a scale of how resilient are you. And so yeah. each time you get experience, it's a muscle, you get like more strength, you start to feel you can handle more things. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find a lot of people are asking you how to learn resiliency these days in your office? I find that a lot of people are coming. And I said this before in, in other shows, but that a lot of people, you know, that are trying to seek out for help but I find that people are coming a little bit not too late but they're they're suffering longer you know like they're suffering longer on their own before they reach out for help yeah. and I think that and that's I'm glad you said that because you know I think that and I tell them too you know like if this were something physical like if you broke your arm would you go and seek help right away or would you let your arm try to heal on its own if it's broken and then try to put a cast on it and see a doctor and so I find that's why I love that we're doing the show is that we're trying to put uh, to, to help people to say, like, if it, you know, your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And if there was something physical wrong, you would go and get it checked. And so just the same as that, uh, you know, we're here to support. And I know that there's a lot of shame, but 
Absolutely. We're here to support. Absolutely. I think you still had one more tip you wanted to mention, Melissa. Yeah. And uh, thanks. And this is what we were talking about before is that, um, and I think it goes with resiliency too, is that we can't always, sometimes people feel like, well, emotional intelligence is that therefore when I get rid of all my flaws and I have no more flaws, then I'm, then I'm a happy, healthy person. Oh gosh. And is that true? Well, no, I, I, I mean, I think that Again, now we're on another show. We're on the vulnerability show because <laughs> our vulnerabilities is actually what makes us most attractive, actually. Mm-hmm. It's it's not interesting to be a perfect person. Nope. So we're never going to get rid of all our flaws. And that's really where I think we go off track altogether. So we want to evolve and be the best versions of ourselves. But I don't think emotional health has anything to do with being a perfect person. Do you? No. And I think emotional intelligence is acknowledging our flaws, is acknowledging our downsides. Right. And some of them we can work on and some of them is just to acknowledge them. And to accept maybe. To accept. Like I'm like not the most patient person. I, I'm going to admit that on the radio. I'm not the most patient person. So when things like, you know, I work on it when I'm in a lineup, like, you know, like breathe and be mindful. And we have a mindfulness show coming up in a few weeks. But, um, but you know, do I love long lineups? No. And I think that you can't always fight your personality. You can work on it, but you also have to accept to a certain extent who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, some people really enjoy doing things at a very slow pace. That would not be me. Mm -hmm. What about you? No, not slow pace. Um, me, I love when I want something, I want it now. Oh, really? <laughs> Which could get me into trouble, right. especially with shopping. Oh, and actually, it's funny you say that. We forgot to talk about delaying gratification, that which is oh, an important yeah. piece of the puzzle. Yes, because when you want something, you want it now. But emotional intelligence says that the ability to delay gratification is a key piece of the puzzle. Yeah. So. Yes, you want it now, but you must have learned to delay gratification. Yes. So part of me, and that's where you said part of it accepts and part of it challenges it. So it's a little bit of both. You know, when I see it's unhealthy, because remember my example was shopping, if I notice I'm avoiding, yeah. then then the emotional intelligence will tell me, okay, wait, sleep it off or wait, you know, and then see, then they would tell me, is it really I'm avoiding or do I really want this? Like yeah. That? And, and then also part of me just accepts that I'm a person that just, uh, it doesn't, I can't get it all the time that way, but just, I like things done. And, and I, when I want it a certain way, I I want it a certain way and that's, that's okay. I can't change all of that. No. And accepting yourself is a very big piece of the pie. As you said, I want to mention that the way they study a delaying gratification is they put little children in a room with an marshmallow. I- marshmallows or an ice cream sundae. And they say, if it's with the marshmallows, they give them one marshmallow and they say, if you don't eat it, when we come back, we'll give you two. Yeah. And some kids can do that with no problem. And some kids cannot. And by the way, that predicts their life story. It does. And it, it predicts how impulsive they're going to be in other behaviors. Right. And you can teach your kids to delay gratification. You yes. can definitely teach your child and you can teach yourself with your shopping or yeah. with anything else. And by the way, that is an incredibly important skill if you want to be successful in life, go to school, whatever, because most of those things, most of the good things in life, you do not get a reward right away. No. Nope. You really don't. Nope. When we come back, I think I want to talk about that, the uh, finish line phenomena, where people look at people at the finish line and think, oh my God, I want that, but they don't want to do the work to get to the finish line, which yeah. is not understanding that you have to get to the finish line, you have to delay gratification. We're going to be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. We're back on Straight Talk, talking about emotional health. And we just finished talking about the finish line phenomena. And I definitely want to like rant about this a little bit because it's a very, this Facebook comes into this too. Like I could get all like on a like soapbox about this because, you know, I find that as a society and in general, what we do is we look at people and when they finish something, you know, whether it's a race, whether it's a university degree, whether it's running a business and we look at that moment in their life and we go, Oh my God, like I wish I could have that, Mm. but we don't look at the struggle that led to having that moment. And there, I can tell you now as an older woman, uh, I promise you, someone who's done this for a long time, there is no shortcut. You have to be able to delay gratification to be able to get to the finish line. And, you know, whether you're talking about an Olympic athlete or a business person or anything, you you have to be able to understand that there is a process. Even therapy itself mm-hmm. is a process. Yeah, you go to point. therapy, people come to therapy, they're like, fix me. Fix me. Yeah. Okay, it doesn't work like that. It's a process. People don't always like to hear that. So the finish line phenomena by the way, allows people to feel that there's lucky people and unlucky people, Mm. which is a a trap. Mm. Melissa, your thoughts? Yeah, I see a lot of this with uh, clients and and especially with social media, comparing themselves to seeing pictures and and we only see the end product, but we're not seeing uh, the journey. journey, And we're comparing ourselves and it's just a torture mechanism because then you're comparing, well, I'm not there and I should be there. That's where a lot of should statements come in and it just makes us feel inadequate and it just so much feelings that start to come up and make us feel like we'll never get there. And then we get into stuck into victimization. We have to be careful about that because that's, you know, a very seductive place to get. So how do we get out of that? Well, I think that first you, it's hard, but you have to acknowledge that you're being a victim, which people don't like to acknowledge. I get that. But 
when we're telling ourselves a story that there's no other people are lucky and we're not, mm. that has to be the story of a victim because mm. people are lucky in certain ways and unlucky in other ways. We all like, you know, it's, it's going to be a controversial statement, but there's a famous adage that says there's equal amounts of pain for all people. And I know people listening are going to say that's not true because I've had more pain than other people. Okay. I understand there could be some debate on this comment, but I have yet to meet someone who got through life without pain. Have mm. you met someone who got through life without pain? Find me that person. Yeah. And find me and let's bottle it and go into business because there's no such thing. No. So pain is a part of life. So there's no real point measuring it against other people. Um, so if there's pain in your life, it's, you know, I like the now what strategy. It's mm. also a very Sandra Reich thing to say is now what? Yeah. Okay, you have a problem. Now what? So what are you going to do about it? Yeah. What's the next step? And that's also emotional health because what are your personal strengths and how do you bounce back and how do you go to those coping skills and how do you live your life with a sense of purpose if there's been hard times in your life? Sometimes yeah. the hard times are your purpose. Yeah, and that's the resiliency that you're talking about. And that shift of perception in terms of saying, instead of saying, well, why why is this happening to me? Why is everyone else be happy and I'm not? Or why does everyone else get the diploma and I can't? It, it puts you in a position to say, okay, well, you know, if this is something that I want, let's start working on goals. Well, you mentioned goals. And actually, goals are an important step of the process, too, because setting goals and being able to you know, small goals and knock one out of the ballpark and then another one and then another one. Does that not contribute to emotional health? Yeah, because you're, you're, you're setting realistic goals, not um, to over, over, uh, overachieving, yeah. overwhelming. That's yeah. I always say if you feel overwhelmed, it's a good sign. It means your goal is too big. Right. So definitely when you, when you accomplish goals, that builds up our confidence, that makes us uh, work through a lot of, um, a lot of different skills. What about your social network? What, how important a role does that play? And I think in two levels. One is that if you don't have good emotional uh, intelligence, you're not going to have a great social network because you need emotional intelligence to navigate your relationships. On the other, on the flip side, uh, having a social network is a very big piece of coping with life. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want to say a bit on that? Yeah, I think you're you're um, definitely in terms of having a support system and not all of us can you know feel like they have a some have a great social support and some feel like they don't but I think emotional intelligence too is just reaching out and and sharing it and not feeling so alone right to to be able to to express yourself and have a have a platform or have a voice to people that are going to help you we can't through and that's another big piece of emotional intelligence that you don't need to go through it on your own it's okay to ask for help it's okay to oh yeah very important point and that's part of emotional intelligence is is acknowledging okay I need help or I need I need some somebody to listen to yeah and sometimes uh, perspective right when you tell someone a story sometimes people can show you your blind spots again as you mentioned earlier we all do have blind spots yeah therapists included yeah there's none of us that don't have a blind spot so I know for me when I go tell a friend a story I really I welcome very much to be shown my blind spots so um, this is a good tip to do is that when you call up a friend and you've had a fight with someone Mm -hmm. uh, maybe ask your friend not to do the oh you're right she's or he is such a bleep Mm. bleep but because I don't like that it's not helpful to me I want to know the whole story. Where was their part and where was mine? Mm-hmm. That's more helpful because mm-hmm. it's too easy to go into what we call dichotomous thinking. That person was wrong. You're right. right. 
that's problematic. Yeah. Would you agree? hundred percent. Yeah. So speaking to friends, getting some perspective on what you're feeling is a very important piece of the pie. Again, to see if your emotions are fitting with the thoughts and the thoughts are fitting with the emotions. You want to look also if your thoughts are distorted. Yeah. And if like, you know, what you're saying in terms of that, if um, when we get into this dichotomized thinking, we want to be careful of validating, uh, you know, that you're right and somebody else is wrong. Yes. But, you know, if if you're you're encouraging, which I 100% agree, encouraging you to see all sides. But what if the person gets so defensive? And I think that's another type of emotional health, too, is that if oh, we're yeah. getting if we're getting defensive, there's a sign that uh, what would that suggest? Well, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what you're getting at, but I would think that if you're getting defensive, if, okay, like let's so say you told I'm going to talk about ego strength then very quickly, yeah. is that if I feel good about my, oh, let me hear your example. Let's say you told me what, what were you going to say? I was going to say like, let's say you told me that I, I would, I felt upset about, uh, you know, like uh, you not getting me flowers Yeah. and, and I was, or like, let's say my boyfriend not giving me flowers. And then what would you say? What would you try to get me to see? Because you want, because saying, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a bad, bad guy. person, yeah. <laughs> bad boyfriend is not going to help. Right. Right. It might validate my feelings, but into a point where now it's, it's making my anger grow in an right. unhealthy way. Well, I would probably go to have you told him that getting flowers is very important. So that's probably where I would go. And if you would get defensive about that, which is, I guess, where you're going yeah. is then it seems like you're not really looking for a solution. You're looking for a bad guy. Yeah. And that's another discussion. But the whole concept of defensiveness has a lot to do with emotional intelligence, too, because if you have a good ego strength and someone's telling you something about you that you don't quite like, yeah. you can draw upon the fact that like, OK, that doesn't feel so good, but this doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It's OK. It's possible. Like, yeah, maybe I maybe I am that, that way or whatever it may be. Yeah. And that would be a sign of great emotional intelligence is to be able to take that step back. You might still get defensive, but it's taking that step back to see, OK, you know, let me try to see their point of view. Like, let me try to, you know, instead of having that reaction. Yeah, but you're not listening to me, mm. you know, and, and you're not feeding my victimhood. Right. Right. Victim perpetrator. Yeah. That dance. Yeah. Wow, Melissa, great show and lots of important topics. I always like to ask my guests at the end of the show, especially lately, if there's one thing you want people to know about emotional health today, you have like one last comment. What would what would you want to say? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, just to to like I said, label the emotion and to ask yourself, you know, what am I feeling? See, what are you avoiding? Okay, and like and that's okay to feel what you're feeling. Yes, it's okay. Okay. It's totally okay. And I would add on to that uh, to take some time to work through it and see what you want to do with the feelings so that you're not going to beat someone up saying that's not such a great idea. Or feeling stuck, like, okay, I acknowledged it, but now what? Excellent. Um, I want to thank you, Melissa, for coming on. You were, as usual, fabulous. That was and fun. It was a good topic, and I'm sure that we'll have lots of people asking questions about this and looking at their emotional health, which really can make a big difference. If you want to reach Melissa, where can people find you, by the way, Melissa? You can phone uh, the center at 514-777-4530. And do you take on clients in this area, emotional health? Yeah, this is this is my uh, specialty. This is what I love. Okay, so if you're in the Montreal area and you want to work on that contact melissa uh you can call the center uh if you're not in the montreal area and this is something you want to work on there are lots of different organizations that can help you and it's definitely it's a skill 
and with a skill you usually need a teacher. So I recommend that. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. I'd like to invite you to all come back next week. If you're interested in our retreats, therapy, or any other media that was mentioned on this show or previous shows, check out helpforanxietydepression.com, or you can listen to previous shows on straighttalksandarich.com, where you can hear this and any prior show, and also on the podcast app of your iPhone and on iTunes under Straight Talk with Sandarich. I really love lately that you guys are all writing to me. Please, please drop me a comment or a question at info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Lately, people have been writing to me about show topics. I really love that. So please continue to do it. Uh, my name is Sandra Reich, and I promise I'll help you learn to live your best life again next Thursday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, this is Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Keep your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and we'll tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life. <laughs>